Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to yet another episode of the Blacksmith Furnace. With me, Pete. And that mole. Hey, the heavy hitters and that. The heavy hitters. Heavy hitters, heavy hitters coming through. Um, no Robert today, thankfully. Facts. Facts. <laughs> Robert chose to fraternise instead of uh, coming in. The ministry. And pretend the bibs. So I thought it was bros before babes, but hey, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no. uh, So it's it's us two, and we're gonna we're gonna go for it. Uh, Sorry, not sorry. One for one. Yes. So basically. Mm. And this is this is riffing off the Joseph Prince video that I sent to the group. Okay. Um, I haven't so watched this, it, by the way. Oh, so for context and for Peter's benefit, mm. Joseph Prince was essentially talking about um, knowing um, God's leadership. Mm. And God is leading, and he was saying he was leaning on the passage from John where Jesus was saying that my sheep know my voice and saying that if, if you have to learn, like a child very quickly is able to distinguish their mother's voice by virtue of being around and being nursed by them and stuff. And when Jesus said my sheep know my voice, it, it's an absolute fact. It's, it's not a progressive knowing, but it's, it's, it's no, they know my voice. Like by virtue of the Holy Spirit, they know my voice. Mm. Um, And even by virtue of salvation, they have heard me call their name, um, sort of thing. Um, And again, like the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so that that leadership and that prompting. Um, So my question, based off of that, my question is, how would you encourage believers to grow in trust of hearing what they believe they've heard um, from God. And I'll categorize that in two ways. How would you encourage new believers to trust God? And how would you encourage like more seasoned believers? I want to say mature, so I say seasoned, those who've been in it for some time to trust in God when they feel they've heard him. Mm. That's, that's super interesting. Um... I guess so. With I haven't not watched the video, um, and with Joseph Prince being a definitely much more to steal your word seasoned um, Peter than I am, at least um, this is just sort of my take. But I've always thought of it as, especially for newer believers. Yes, you've got the Spirit of God in your in your in you. Um, the Holy Spirit dwells within you and will bear witness with the truth. But how do you become more familiar with the truth? So for newer believers in, in, in doing that or in pursuing 
getting to trust God's voice more, getting to be more familiar with the truth, I would suggest reading the truth because we've got a codified version of it. And I think the more we read, the more we familiarize ourselves with the word of God, with the Bible, the more likely we are to notice or to recognize his voice because it's the same voice. And we would have essentially have been exposing ourselves to it regularly more, more and more. And so in those moments when we actually need to, not that we don't, there are moments we don't need, but, you know, when there's like a decision point or there's a, 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 a fork in the road and you're like, which way should I go? You'll be more familiar with the voice because you've been exposing yourself to it. You've been reading. So for the new believer, I'd say that. For the more seasoned believer, I think the same applies. But I also think that... Um, what I noticed from like the character of God as presented, especially like in the Older Testament, he brings people along. And so for the seasoned Christian, you probably would have had more and more different situations in which God has led you. And I would say to sort of look back on those and, yeah. and to see the, the common threads. Oh, when I have this particular feeling of peace consistently, that's been when, God has worked something out specifically for me. Um, and more often than not, I see that trend of, like Gideon's first task was going to knock down his father's idols. Mm. And then he ended up going into war with 300 when they were vastly outnumbered. You know? Or Abraham's first task was moving away from his family. Um, and even that, you know, took him a little while to achieve. And then he's the father of faith, you know, going to sacrifice Isaac, who was his only son, by whom he would have continued his line. So it's there's always a progression. So for the more seasoned Christian, I'll probably say you've been through some of that. Look back. Of course, there's a word. But look back on your life. Look back on when God mm. has spoken to you, how he's spoken to you, the various events where you've been like, oh, that sticks out as a time where God specifically led me to do something. And that will probably bring you closer to recognizing and being able to trust his voice. Because more, more, more than likely, the more seasoned Christian is probably getting some of the more spicier taste um, tests and the stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. from leave your family to kill your son, that's mad. exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I like that. I do like that. Um, and even with telling the newer believers to like dig into the word and stuff and become more familiar with them, it's very much like there, there's there's a mind towards growth and a great assurance. Mm-hmm. Where it's not just like sit there and say, um, and then just be like, yeah, I've got to say this. Um, but actually interact with them, engage with them, pray, <coughs> read his word. Um, and yes, yeah, so I think I would have said exactly the same thing, where there's that assurance of like, and even I would have said, um, only thing I would have added for the newer believers would have been like, just give it a go and see how it, like, how it, mm-hmm. how it pans out, um, almost like taste and see. Yeah. Um, so if you feel like yeah. God is doing this what, what was uh, Joseph Prince's um... so his his response was very much like um, God's voice isn't something that we ought to struggle to mm. to hear and to recognize but if it's a case of um, because Jesus spoke about my sheep hear my voice there is that assurance that if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you and you feel God is calling you to do something, just step out and do it. Okay. Literally just step out and do it. Um, because more likely than not, you are hearing from him 
and people tend to place an emphasis on hearing the audible voice of God, while sometimes it's just a prompting and a leading as opposed to like an audible voice. And when you're hearing God, his leadership shouldn't necessarily be like he's dragging you along. It should be that he's, he, he's the words he used was that God, uh, Jesus doesn't drive us, he leads us. So it's like he goes before us and he calls us to come and follow him as opposed to pushing us from behind. And so if, if, it, if the task seems laborious or it seems like there's so much emphasis, pressure, and you need to do this right now, and there's no peace within that, then you can almost be assured that that's not of God. Mm. Um, so yeah, the leadership of God and him drawing us and like beckoning us to follow him um, okay. as opposed to driving. And yeah, like it was really, really, really good, really refreshing for me. I haven't engaged with this stuff for some time. Um, and I find it very interesting that YouTube, the algorithm just popped him back up um, mm-hmm. at this time. And I'm kind of like certain different things and the algorithm popped it up, especially with that message. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, okay, it's interesting. Yeah. Oh. So what you, what you got, what you got planned for See, me? So my question is when Jesus said in Matthew, and I think there's a account of it in Mark as well, that some people would not die until they see God's kingdom come. Mm. Um, does that mean there are people that have been living for the past 2,000 years, or when did his kingdom come and then, then see it? I love that question. I've actually thought about that question a lot. Mm. Um, and the way that I've understood that question from that, yeah, that, that phrase within the context was the transfiguration was a manifestation of his kingdom. Okay. And so as soon as they went up, because um, James, the brother of John, Uh passed away. He was one of the first to be uh, martyred Uh after the birth of Jesus. Um, And so I, I, I understood it as in them going into the trans, in them witnessing the transfiguration, mm-hmm. they witnessed the manifestation of, of the kingdom of God. Um, that's the only way we can we can explain um, Moses and Elijah appearing to Jesus and ministering to him mm-hmm. um, in such a tangible way that the three disciples were able to see it, and even Jesus being transformed and wearing robes that were whiter than being able to like be produced or bleached within. The, what they had at them times and even mm. we touched into it briefly as well in a previous podcast when we mentioned um people to um contacting ancestors mm-hmm. and was like how does how do we then interpret the transfiguration with that in mind and mm. we ended up i think i mentioned it but we ended up um, saying something along the lines of probably um not concretely but leaning more so towards Jesus stepping into eternity at that time, as opposed to pulling people down from the past or pulling people down from the spirit, right. mm-hmm. but rather mm-hmm. stepping into eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there's almost been like the pre-veil being torn, them not almost seeing that then before mm-hmm. Jesus tore it um, at his crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, that's how I understand it. Um, mm-hmm in that the transfiguration was a manifestation of the kingdom, mm-hmm. of his kingdom, and them being being there for it. Which, if if that is correct, I, I think so, that that is a major setup 
Yeah. Like, some of you won't die. The next day, oh, you sold my kingdom, so you can die now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's dope to just be like, yo, they witnessed something um, of the manifestation of the kingdom of God. Mm. And in that manifestation, what I find fascinating is that Moses comes. Um, Moses is almost attributed as the founder more so than Abraham. Abraham is like the patriarch through whom the the promise came, but Moses almost laid the groundwork for the for the tribes um, mm. and established the community more so with God's laws and stuff. You know, as much as circumcision um, historically came from Abraham, but Moses almost codified it. Mm. Um, and then Elijah being the person who would almost come before Jesus. Um, so the person to come before Jesus would be in the spirit of Elijah. Mm. But then I believe it's in Matthew's account, you actually hear God's voice again, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Yeah. List, obey, what, like listen to what he says. Yeah. Um, and those, those are the only, I believe those are the only times where, we, where external people hear what yeah, God is saying clearly. Others, so Paul hears, um, Peter hears in terms of acts when it's like, what I have called clean, do not call unclean. Mm-hmm. But um, the other times when Jesus was alive, so like when Lazarus was being raised and stuff, all of them, they said it thundered. So they heard a sound, but they didn't recognize what was being mm-hmm. said through it. Mm-hmm. But this was a time during Jesus' lifetime where people heard what was being said and I believe that that's again a manifestation of the kingdom mm, mm, mm. okay um, a couple of things so one is just because you mentioned the start talking about like the significance of Moses and Elijah mm. um, so I think I think this is Joseph Prince as well pointed out that Moses is also normally almost synonymous with the law mm. because obviously he got the tablets yeah. and Elijah synonymous with the prophets, you know, being yeah. one of the greatest of the prophets. Yeah. Um, and he said part of it, or at least maybe something that the spirit could have been doing at the time was the specificity of Peter, James, and John mm-hmm. um, in that order being, or Peter, is it Peter, James? Yeah. Peter, James, and John in that order being listed in the Bible and Peter's name meaning rock, mm-hmm. which in that context could be an inference to the tablets of Tablet, rock there. Yeah. James meaning supplant or replace, mm-hmm. and John meaning God's gift. And it being almost like with those uh, those two coming, ministering unto Jesus, God pointing out that Jesus is the one. Those three disciples, their names could literally be describing what's happening as yeah. the law has been replaced with God's yeah. gift. Sort of thing, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, the second one, the second one is a follow-up, not question, but theory. Mm. So, what do you think of the idea that when Christ says some of you will not die before you see my kingdom? Though mm. I think, yeah, that's probably what's being referred to there. Also, because in Matthew, actually, I think he specifies that six days after. Um, what happens? Was it six days after the transfiguration or something yeah. like that? And so that specific 
reference to that moment almost links the two mm. and says that that's what was being referred to. However, what do you think of the idea that when Christ said that, he could actually have also been meaning when the Spirit came upon the disciples? Because mm. if the prayer is, let that kingdom come, or, um, yeah, the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is where God remains king. Mm-hmm. And he would remain king in the people that are indwelled by his spirit. Mm-hmm. So could that have been the coming of the kingdom of God? And thus, you know, after that point, you know, people hadn't, well, people hadn't died that were there, Peter, yeah. for instance, or yeah. all the disciples. Um, and then could we be living in that time where actually God's kingdom is here, given there are people whose spirit, uh, whose uh, who are dwellings of God's spirit? Mm. Now I hadn't I hadn't thought about that, but that, that is very plausible. Um, that is very plausible, and it's because it is um, in in praying, let your kingdom come. Mm-hmm. God's kingdom first abides within us, mm-hmm. and then through us is manifested into the community. And so through his death, burial, resurrection, and the Holy Spirit now indwelling us, essentially, God's kingdom is within these broken vessels, which is us. And through these broken vessels, it's being poured out into the world. Um, And so, yeah, very well could be that there could be like either a twofold manifestation or a fuller manifestation. So it's like the first three almost caught a glimpse. And then there was a fuller manifestation. So almost in line with what um, the already but not yet statements within mm-hmm. John, where yeah. it's like mm-hmm. um, God desires worshippers to worship in spirit and in truth. Um, and then he says something like, already people are mm-hmm. doing that, and, and there's a time to come with him. Um, yeah. And yeah. so it may, it may be like leaning into that. I know that Matthew doesn't, Matthew and John, um, Mark, don't use that, those sort of mm-hmm. language from John. Mm-hmm. But there could be a sense in which there's like a twofold manifestation um, or a fuller manifestation, which would then almost imply a threefold manifestation. So they caught a glimpse then, which is one manifestation, the outpour of the Holy Spirit being another manifestation, and the new Jerusalem being like the fullness okay. of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, almost like breaking into It's almost like a dam, like the Holy mm. Spirit breaking in bit by bit um, mm. through human history. Until the fullness of the revelation. So yeah, that that's actually very interesting. And I think I I would lean towards it being a fuller manifestation of what was glimpsed. Gotcha. Um, well, not necessarily a replacement, but yeah. actually just a furtherance. Yeah. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah, no, I like that. Cool. All right. All right. All right. So, moving on to what we actually are going to talk about. This sort of. Uh, not hit me today because I'm a bit apathetic towards it. Actually, not apathetic. I am obviously thinking about it. If not, I wouldn't bring it up here. But mm. uh, do you know Demi Lovato? Yes, the uh, Nigerian artist, I believe. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I just no. showed my age. <laughs> no, that is that Movado or something? No, no, no. Demi, Demi Lovato is... Oh, yes, yes. Um, she's a pop a non-binary star. and is changing yes. pronouns to they them. Yeah. Sierra yeah. announces. Yeah, yeah. 
But, so, okay, I was so, thinking about the Afrobeats done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not talking about him. Um, so she, I think last year, got baptised in the Jordan. Mm. Um, apparently she grew up Christian. Yeah, obviously, I don't necessarily see that from her music, from what little of her music I know. Um, but yeah, she got baptised and I think afterwards had to apologise as well, I think because of the whole Israel-Gaza thing. Mm. Which I think at some point we should probably talk about. Not that we know anything about it, but we should talk about it. Um, and now she's come out, she's launching a podcast, which is important to say because this announcement was part of her launching this new podcast. But she's come out and said, all right, she now identifies as non-binary. She will be changing her pronouns uh, to they, them. They, them, yep. Um which completely disregards my uh, secondary school education of English and grammar, but, you know, who cares? Uh, I have to accommodate them. Um, what's, your, what's your response to it? Or what do you think a Christian response to someone who has proximity to Christianity by virtue of their childhood, mm. coming out and saying, I'm non-binary, please refer to me as they, them. What, what's your... What should be an appropriate response? <clears throat> so, oh, actually, actually, before I ask for a response, is there anything wrong with it? As a Christian, is there anything wrong with someone declaring, apart from the butchery of the English language, <laughs> is there anything wrong with someone saying, look, I'm non-binary? And think, what is wrong? So, I, th- I think... I, I, my personal response would be like, okay, cool, do them, right? Do you? Um, mm. And I would respond to you as you have decided to for me to respond to you. Um, and I would, I would afford you um, that grace to be like, this is how you want to be addressed, or this is how I will address you. Um, and I do think. I do think that there is room for that within within the faith. Um, there's room for what? There's room for that. There's room for responding to someone in the manner in which they <coughs> they want to be. They they've chosen to be responded to or with or however. Um, right. And it, it's an interesting one because. In, in order to be prescriptive, in order to say this is what Christians should do, um, we, all want, we almost need to leave space for nuance and situations and stuff like that. Um, and just because someone's got proximity to Christianity doesn't necessarily mean that they're in dwell with Jesus or blah, 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 this and that. Mm. And sometimes when we, when we latch on to what we would consider sin, we would consider an affront to what God stands for, in that God has created male and female, and like they're clearly defined roles within the Bible, and like gender, specific and stuff. Um, and not, not even that, but just biologically, there's two sets of chromosomes, and just like body structure, body density. You can say they, them, but 
it doesn't change your physical makeup. You can you can undergo surgery and stuff, but even if you're a woman and you become a man, it doesn't unless you like carve out your womb and stuff. It doesn't necessarily change the internal functioning of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, like all of those things still stand, and these things stand even outside of faith, outside of um, the Bible and what the Bible presents, or the Quran, or Judaism, or whatever. Anything like just biologically these things still stand um and so this isn't even a case of don't but from responding from a position of a christian i would because i i believe that god still loves us even if we move walk away from what he wants from us wants for us okay um now that doesn't mean there won't be conviction or there won't be some sort of no, we shouldn't be doing this, which is again conviction um, or correction or something like that. But God's love for us doesn't change. And now God remains God and He's able to do things that we are not able to do. And so God is able to turn the hearts of kings and blah, 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 and stuff like that. We're not necessarily able to do that she tried to bribe the king but then the king's heart wasn't revealed with the money which is another conversation um but i think my emphasis would be on the holy spirit's work in that person as opposed to um my um my categorization of what they're doing okay if that makes sense I would want to I would want to leave room for the Holy Spirit to do a work in this person's life rather than push them away from a group of people who at best should be facilitating space for the Holy Spirit to do his work his work mm. um, so that would be my concern because if it's a case if if we respond in a way that's like no and this person runs in the opposite direction, we've almost taken them away from a space which is intentionally mm-hmm. conducive for the Holy Spirit. Now, that's, that doesn't negate that God can use anyone to bring about his purposes. Like he spoke through a donkey. Like God mm-hmm. can use anyone or anything. Um, even as Jesus says, if you don't praise me, these rocks will cry out. Like God can use anything. Um, and so even if they run away, if God's hand is upon you, eventually he will bring you back um, again. The Calvin, Calvinistic doctrine. Um, but it's, my heart would be more so towards, let's try facilitating a space where this guy, or this, or they, they them, he, she, it, et, whatever, can be around people or engage with people who are intentionally trying to draw the Holy Spirit into the space, um, and allowing the Holy Spirit to do its work. Because I believe that that would be that would have a lot more impact. Like five minutes with the Holy Spirit will do more work than we can do in a lifetime. Okay. What would be your response? 
Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's the uh, it's it's similar to the response to the whole um, gay, you know, sort of homosexual thing is more important than you know proving a point is the relationship with Christ. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to be able to convince you of your sin. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to convict you of your sin. So more important than me shouting fire and brimstone is me, yeah, actively, as you said, trying to bring the Holy Spirit into the situation. Um, So it'll be be a similar thing where there's love and there's compassion, um, more so than there is judgment. My follow-up question, however, is does the Bible present any argument that it's wrong for someone to identify as non-binary? I think, and one thing that I really like, um, I'm going to lean on the Don Vodibachum, if I pronounce his name correctly. So he he was arguing against people saying the Bible and Jesus that it doesn't don't speak about homosexuality and gays and stuff uh, like being gay or whatever Mm. and he's like like, the Bible's clear about it Um, from the beginning God is like he made like homosexual relationships aren't particularly when when God is when Jesus is speaking about marriage Mm -hmm. or speaking about union it is exclusively between a man and a woman He doesn't, he almost does not almost, he doesn't acknowledge anything outside of that. Mm. And in him being that intentional and that direct about what is acknowledged, he's also being direct about what isn't acknowledged. Mm. Um, now, I know that there's going to be other people with different theologies who will be able to think, oh, how about this, but that. Cool. Um, but in terms of what God has to say about that, um, even at the beginning, Genesis is like he made them male and female. Now I've heard someone actually say a very point out a very good argument in that when in that Genesis account that was pre-fall, that mm. was before everything went pear-shaped, mm. and so when he pronounced that everything was good and he made them male and female and um, marriage was between man and woman, that mm. was before we had fallen, and so when we fell everything kind of went pear-shaped and so we can't we can't necessarily judge or create a standard now based on how things were before we fell because that's holding us to a standard that um okay by virtue of being born into adam we're never going to reach mm. but it's rather recognizing what state are we in now and how is god interacting with us now in great mm as opposed to being held to a pre-fall standard. Um, so you can still argue after the fall, blah, blah, blah. But again, it comes back down to um, Jesus having acknowledged male and female. And also acknowledge that somewhere made eunuchs um, who either by their own self, by somebody else, or by nature, they were made units and mm. so again there's there's um so I've said a lot of things and I've said nothing. 
Um, there's acknowledgement of what is and, and what is yeah yeah and there's there's with the unix there's almost like this this gray space but i think unix were mostly males mm. um predominantly males i believe exclusively males i, I don't think i've come across any infer- inference or anything about female unix mm. um but yeah and so I don't. I don't necessarily believe the Bible recognizes it. Um, and if we go by what is in Ecclesiastes, that there's nothing new under the sun, it would mean that this isn't necessarily a new phenomenon. Mm. It may have a new name, but it isn't necessarily new. Mm. And if that is the case, and it hasn't been acknowledged throughout the Bible, then it's pretty safe to say that these are the categories that is almost recognized mm-hmm. and these are the categories that we biologically fall into. Um, I know that there are biological abnormalities and stuff um, with people being born with both genitalia and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, like that, that would be my spanner in the works. Mm-hmm. But it's like, how do we respond to that? Mm-hmm. Peter's doing research, I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, the 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 pre-fall, um, the pre-fall argument actually, I think, inadvertently makes that point in that it's once death has entered that we have these, and I, I'm not to call them imperfections, but we have these things. We have disease. We have mm-hmm. Um, things like hermaphrodites um, because that's away from God's original intent he made male and female as you said and that's as a result of sin not necessarily of God Um, and not necessarily the sin of the people because we know that especially when there is like disease or or, um, deformity or whatever again I, I struggle to use those words now because that's someone's reality and mm. you know they they live through that so i'm not going to call them deformed or anything but when when uh the disciples met the was he blind and then they were like whose sin caused him to be yeah. blind and jesus said what is what was glory yeah i think all of these things everything that's come post four can be for god's glory yeah uh, when surrendered to him However, my, and then I know that wasn't the argument you were making, but my counter to that is the whole point of Christ coming was almost to take us to back to pre-fall, yeah. where God came to walk amongst men. Well, if, if, if not better than pre-fall, where now God indwells yeah. and lives within and is closer to us than he was to Adam and Eve walking in the garden sort of thing. So that being a yardstick isn't that far um, fetched an idea. If we are actually going back, to, we are now headed towards a place where we are in a better position than yeah. Adam was in relation to our yeah. uh, our connection to God. I think, if, if I can just jump in, I think mm-hmm. um, the, the response, or my response at least, would be in that, the human condition hasn't changed um, post-fall. So even with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and Jesus having walked amongst us and stuff, 
the flesh still remains as is post fall. So Adam and Eve physically, I believe, were perfect. Like, Mm -hmm. were different. Yeah. And then after the fall, corruption almost crept into the physicalities of humanity, Mm -hmm. where, again, like, disease and death and um, disabilities and stuff kind of came into it um, just by virtue of that. And so, like, the physicality and the physiology of man Mm. was subject to the point where even, like, the the ground bore thistles and thorns. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a physical corruption. Mm -hmm. Um, So physically, we're not back yet, back back there yet. Mm. But there's almost this in inward renewal um that is going on but the physicality hasn't necessarily isn't necessarily being transformed this side of um rapture or the second coming Uh, so in as much as morally and like communally we're being transformed back into that but physically we're still kind of bound on this side of the fall yeah. until Jesus' return again. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, moving on to the uh, non-binary situation. Um, so my, my argument always comes back to the whole idea of existence being a cosmic accident. And so if there was nothing and it exploded, then there's no meaning to anything. Then there's no true purpose to everything because everything is chaos. Everything is random. Um, And if that's the origin, then I can, you know, then I don't think there's anything wrong with you presuming you are in some way a mistake. Hmm. So you are not your XX chromosome or your XY chromosome because those things are random, right? I think the reason why it's a problem for a Christian or actually probably for anyone that believes in a uh, sort of monotheistic deity that created life is then you are going against the intentions of the one who created you. And then we have a situation of a pot saying, why am I not a fork to the potter that has made a pot? And so that's why I think that fundamentally there is an an issue there. Um, When when it comes to, like, has this been covered by the Bible before? Maybe not the non-binary per se, but in Deuteronomy, and and I go to Deuteronomy and people's immediate thing as well, it also says don't wear clothes of different fabrics. Mm. Okay, cool, we'll get there. But don't in Deuteronomy. Um, don't, don't get shape up. <laughs> in Deuteronomy, it does say that it, it says a man shall not dress up as a woman or wear mm. women's clothing and a woman shall not wear men's clothing. But I think that that's a... Um, that's a, a, an unfortunate translation because mm-hmm. it then goes on to say, and uh, it it has the connotation, man should not become woman. It wasn't just about wearing the clothes. It was about men like being like a woman mm-hmm. and women being like a man intentionally um, and then presenting as such. 
And I think that's to some extent what this whole transgender non-binary thing is. It's I'm a woman, but actually I feel like I'm a man and therefore I'm going to present as a man and I'm going to do things in my body to become a man. And I think that's where quite literally you're saying to God, you've made a, you've made a mistake with me. Yeah. Now, in response to people that are going to say, I'm picking and choosing what parts of the Old Testament I want to still live by, there are parts of the Old Testament that were given to set Israel apart mm. from people. And then there were parts that were given because God doesn't like certain things. More often than not, or not more often than not, for the most part, the things that were just literally just to set Israel apart, they've almost all been redeemed. And so Christ, I think it was Christ, um, or the Spirit of God said to Peter, you can eat whatever it is yeah. um, because I say they are clean now. Yeah. Even though there were clearly things that weren't clean. Yeah. Um, thing and those were to set Israel apart from the people around them mm. and for the practices that they did um, things like the multiple fabrics thing, things like even circumcision um, a lot of these things have been redeemed after facts because they were rules that were given for that specific purpose to set mm. Israel apart which is no longer necessary now that you've got people being grafted in there are other rules more often than not that would lead to death um, like the sleeping with an animal, sleeping with another man, that I think represents more how God feels about an issue. Mm. And because it's not for a specific purpose of setting the people apart, those ones sort of stay true. And so Jesus still refers to um, marriage as being man and woman. Mm. And that's clear that away because we're in a new century or something. Mm. Um, or Paul says, you know, there's no Jew or Gentile. There's no need for all of these things that, you know, the Israelites were not wearing different fabrics because mm. now you're bringing Gentiles in who would have no sense of what um, Old Testament fashion would be. Mm. And so that's why I think, yes, there are some rules that were given for a specific purpose that have now been fulfilled. And so those rules don't apply anymore. And then there are other rules that are necessary because they represent how God feels about a matter and God's feelings on those matters haven't changed. Mm. I guess, um, and this, this is the interesting part where Jesus is the fulfillment of the, of the law and the prophets and all those who are found in him live under his perfect righteousness. Mm. And the only two requirements are to love God with all your heart um, my body and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself and um, in doing those two you kind of fulfill the rest the rest of it and the requirements of the law no longer like rests on our shoulders mm. and in us trying to to live by the law we then place ourselves back under the curse of the law mm. um and so in us trying to live by Deuteronomy. Mm. Well, if I guess the, the main caveat would then be if that's where we think our righteousness comes from, as opposed to coming from Christ. So if it's a case of I am now in Christ and so I'm trying to live by these things and not thinking that that's my righteousness, but in, in appreciation of what I've been, I've been given. Um, but I find it even, I find it interesting as well. Ian, you mentioned with the, 
the circumcision that the only laws that the early apostles saw fit to levy on the Gentiles was not to not to eat meat that was strangled, um, not to commit sexual adultery, and I think there was one more. Mm. Um, and they were like, just continue as you were um, in the grace of God. And I think, so I think there's 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 room. Um, so I think I would I would push back on the Deuteronomy stuff, mm. um, not so much because they're bad or they're unnecessary. But that there's there's a lot of wiggle room for work based activity, um, and I'd more so emphasise um, in in terms of in this situation, I would more so emphasise like you're fearfully and wonderfully made, mm. and I'll emphasise I know the plans I had for you. Um, you are called for this purpose and in the fullness of time I have revealed myself to you that you may go forth and display my glory like and that in terms of what Paul was saying about his interaction with God and I'm more so emphasize that yes we are broken we're fallen but there there was a purpose and intentionality in the manner which God deals and interacts with us and that's something for you to work out with God. But the reality is God has intentionally made you a part of a community. It's not necessarily made you intentionally made you a part of this church, which very well could be the case, but you're part of a wider Christian body. Mm. And so there, there's like you're engrafted into something, you're, you're bricks, you're, you're being built up into a bride. And so your activity forms a part of a wider activity. Um, and this community is important because you're serving this community. Now, this community isn't all perfect. There are bad things. People will do you dirty and stuff like that. But God is still at work within you to reveal himself to the people around you. And there, there has been an intentionality to how God has made you. Now, reality being that that, that intentionality does fold in the fold to some degree because you may have a, a D4 mile, you may have a discipline, you may have something, but that doesn't negate that you're still fearfully and wonderfully made. And so how do we see God's glory through how he has intentionally made you? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd, push, I'd push that. Um, so even if, you're, even if you're like, I was a he, now I'm a she on day them. I would still just be like, cool, I will address you by this, but I'll still go back to your fearful and wonderful name. God knitted you together with an intention and a purpose. Let's explore and see what that intention and purpose could have looked like or could be uh, and allow the Holy Spirit to come into this space and into this time to, to just illuminate different things um, and allow God to speak to you. Um, so, and, and I think there's been a lot of harm so I was reading this article, this, this woman, um, her name was Rachel. She went to a HDB plant. And I'm happy to say these things because she posted it up on, that, on a blog and it's, it's slightly blown up. So I'm just like, yeah, it's like that already. Mm-hmm. Um, she went to a HDB plant and she was a, she's 
from what I know, she was a lesbian. And when she first started to recognize these desires within herself, she spoke to the leadership because she was a part of the leadership team on a volunteer base, but she was part of the leadership team. And she was like, oh, like I'm, I'm feeling these things. What does that mean for me within this church? And she said she was reassured that things would go well. Like she was leading home groups and stuff. All of them things would be cool. And then she was like, are you sure you guys won't try to like take things away from me or try to like make me step down and things? Pastor was like, no, nah, like it is what it is, it's cool. And then stuff died. She got into an open, open homosexual relationship. Um, like people started to whisper. Tutus, the pastor's talking about, oh yeah, we need to run a training and people need to sign to a code of conduct to live by um, as leadership um, just to ensure that we're living by Christian values and stuff. And then she started to feel attacked, um, which I don't necessarily believe she was, but she started to feel attacked. Um, long story short, she felt like she was being ostracized and she left the church feeling like she, she got kicked out of the church and stripped of her position, but she chose to leave. Um, and, and I'm not saying that in a sensitive way, because even as you read her thing, at no point did anyone say you're not welcome to leave, or and it's just like I just stopped going and no one reached out to me, which happens in a lot of churches. You don't turn up and people still don't call you. Um, but yeah, there, there was a lot of that. And now that's been spread. And I think the reason I'm mentioning it is... It's not. It's not that we ought to hold people with, with like, like kit gloves or whatever the phrases, but recognizing that their experiences, to some degree, their experiences will be spread, and that will in turn influence other people's perspective. And I'm not saying we should cower and try to retain best positions, but we should always do things. In a, in a manner that is is always in love. But in love doesn't mean about correction. Right. And so it, it's difficult for me to explain it. And I, mm. I hope what I'm trying to explain is coming through. Um, but there's always this challenge to how are we loving these people even when we disagree. And I say these people loosely. How are we loving each other even if we disagree? And how are so, we intentionally displaying Jesus? So I... I... I, I get I get I get where you're coming from. And I, I understand the argument of love because we are meant to love and we're meant to be known by our love. And I think part of the struggle that I still have and that the church clearly still has is the difficulty between loving and um and and being being real about what is and what isn't acceptable. Mm. Not to us, but to God. And when we talk about, yeah, the law, but if I rephrase it like this, if you love someone, you will not do something that they consider an abomination, would you? No. Hopefully. And thus, <laughs> and thus I would think, yeah, I'm not, I'm not seeing my, my, my avoidance of, 
homosexuality or my avoidance of fornication or being unfaithful to my wife, those things aren't bringing me righteousness. Yeah. But because I love my God and I know that those things are things that he detests, I will detest them. <laughs> now, in terms of well, what, what, what my struggle has become is we're seeing these things not only be accepted by the church, but become part of the church. And so mm. we're having pastors in homosexual relationships. Yeah. And it's only a matter of time before I imagine we have non-binary pastors. Um, and, and for me... I won't be surprised if you already have some. There you go. I, 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 especially if they do their, their whole change nicely, you can probably tell. Um, my, my, my issue used to be, or my, my fear used to be that, well, not fear, my comfort used to be that it was outside the church. And so, mm-hmm. yes, I will go to a homosexual wedding because if I am there, Actually, this sounds this sounds crazy. So I won't say me, but I think a Christian can go to a homosexual wedding because then at least Christ is there mm. and is visible, and him loving and him doing that is fine. So long as that wedding isn't in a church, that was always my caveat. Yeah, because as far as I'm concerned, that is an abomination to the Lord. That wasn't rescinded in the New Testament. That wasn't rescinded by Christ's finished work. It's still an abomination unto the Lord. And so I'm like, yeah, you can do whatever under the law of the land. Absolutely, you should have the same rights, you should have everything, but not in the not in the church. And now we're seeing it in the church. And I think it's because there's that. There's that no, we have to be accepting and loving. Mm. But then actually we also have to be fearful and reverent of a God who says this is an abomination to me. And that's not just with, well, that is with homosexuality, but not just with homosexuality. It's with all of these other things like the non-binary, like the uh, transgenderism that I think there are issues with. And also, when when you were telling the story about this lady, she went to the leadership and was like, I'm having these feelings. Will they be a problem for you? Will they be a problem for you? Mm. Die daily is a real thing. (laughs) Like, it's a real thing. And I think there's another element of Christianity that's now sort of frowned upon because we don't see any reason why we should suffer for our human desires. And so if I feel a certain way, it's not my problem. It's, are you guys going to accept me? I feel Um, like slapping you. It's not my problem. It's your problem. (laughs) And it's like, no, okay, yeah, we all have our struggles, but there's a reason why the Bible says we are to die daily to ourselves, because yes. there is there's elements of us that aren't good, and there are elements of us that aren't pleasing to God, and that's my virtue of the fall, that's my virtue of sin, that doesn't mean that because God loves us, we should just embrace those things and bring them in, it means that we should die to them. And so there's that element that's not also being spoken of, and it's like, yeah, no, there's no problem with me, you're fine. And then when it becomes too much, then, you know, eventually you get kicked out. No, from from jump, you would have been, no, it's not a problem for me, but it's a problem for for you. And if this is not something you are 
willing to bring to God to, to, to deal with him on because as far as we're concerned, it's sin. And as far as I know, sin has to be resisted and hated. Yeah. And it's by grace that we overcome, but we overcome. We don't yeah. bring it into the home and then go and marry another person to same sex and come yeah. and, uh, who are you ministering to? It reminds me of um, First Corinthians 5 when Paul was talking about the guy who's sleeping with his father's wife mm-hmm. and the church have just embraced him and be like, oh, yeah, no, this is good. And it's like, what? No, kick him out. Kick him out, fam. Exactly. Um, where there's, there's a sense of there's a standard um, and the standard isn't arbitrary, but the standard is um, it's God, it's Jesus. It's mm-hmm. what, what his intention for humanity is. Um, and it's, and it's not us living, it's not us living out that standard and, and being that being our righteousness, but almost striving towards that standard um, in appreciation for what, what he's done in, in Jesus laying his life down for us. But also remembering that first John is like, if you claim you have no sin, you lie and the truth is not oh, in you, but yeah. he is faithful to forgive you if you are to confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you if you confess your sins um so there, there is something of a standard there is something to be said of a standard um but i'm i'm mindful and i think this this is where my hesitance has has been and in you saying that it actually challenged me because i recognize that my hesitance with a standard has been from the perspective of um how people have got have gotten their standards wrong or their emphasis on their standard wrong. Um, so they've overemphasized their standard. I've got food and stuck in my mouth. Um, I'm better talking and I'm feeling the food just moving around. Um, they've overemphasized their standard to the detriment of the people that they're trying to serve. Mm. Um, where people have, have viewed the faith because of certain groups as emphasis of standards as being restrictive, as being abusive, as being um, whatever, like conversion therapy, blah, blah, blah. Um, and or even like trying to exercise the homosexual spirit from people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's, it hasn't been, it hasn't been helpful. It's actually been harmful to the cause that these people were working towards. Um, because they were trying to uphold the standard. And I, I don't know what, what would be the best way, because I don't think abandoning the standard is, is the way forward. Mm. Um, and likewise, I don't think almost like stapling the standard in front of a church and being like, if you don't meet the standards, don't walk through the doors. It's the mm. way forward either. Um, there's but something think- between holding the standard, but still holding the brokenness of people. But yeah. I don't know how that fleshes out. But that's that's the thing, though. That's the thing is the recognition that it is brokenness, mm. and I think that's where the tension is. Is yes, there's the standard of the, Christ is the standard, and mm. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I've already, by virtue of my last thirty-two years of life, I'm never going to meet that standard because mm. he was sinless. I've done it last time. <laughs> However. There is a striving and there's a, like, it's not elegant. And I think that's the thing is it's been presented as, as elegant and as easy and as, mm-hmm. as, as, as smooth. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. Like, Christ's life wasn't smooth or elegant or, and, 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 and the 
the, the, the working out of salvation with fear and trembling by God's enabling isn't going to be elegant and, 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 and PC. It's not. And so I think the tension is that you, I think you put it perfectly. There's a standard, but then upholding the standard and holding people's brokenness. Mm. The problem now is we're not recognizing the brokenness. We're just saying that's my objective, my subjective truth. And so it's no longer brokenness. It's no longer sin. Now it's just, that's your truth. And I have to respect it in the same way as I have to ignore the past 10, 12 years of my secondary school education and put they, them in a place where it's a singular pronoun that's required. Yeah. And (laughs) this is how I know you're talking to an African. Um, (laughs) And it's, and the, the, the one thing that I really, I reflect on is during during study, and I, I, I've, I've said this, I've shared this a few times, at least in the group, maybe not on the podcast, but there are three stances that I have when it comes to um, engaging with the Bible. Uh, the Bible is fully divine, and so I can fully trust it. I, I, that is the word of God, and this is what God has intended for me to have as him communicating himself to me through human history, but also as fully human in that God has intentionally use human agency to write all of these things down and so we can we can see the differences and we can see nuance and we can see personality we can see emotion we can see humanity mm-hmm. as we read through the bible and lastly the, no one reads the bible objectively everyone is subjective but the last thing makes it absolutely imperative that we need a wider community to actually decipher what the bible is saying no one can sit down by themselves and be like, this is what the Bible is saying, because you're, you're not objective, you're very much subjective. And you're approaching the Bible with however many years of living you've lived, which has shaped your perspective, which is now shaping how you engage with it, and even shaping what sort of commentaries you read and stuff like that. So you need a wider context of people to be able to help you engage with the word. And that this now challenges um, when people are like, oh, but this is what Paul was saying here. All right, let's all sit down. Let's all engage. And let's all try to move more into a space where not so much that you come onto my page or I come onto yours, but we're moving more closer to what God intended with this text. And even if we disagree, to be able to read it, be like, actually, you know what? I'm still going to love you. Hopefully, you're still going to love me. And we're going to try continue striving towards Jesus as a community because that's what we are um, and that that and so it isn't it isn't like a separatist sort of thing where you go your way I go mine but actually submitting to a wider wider authority beyond you which is firstly God and then the body and you just be like all right how do we live this thing out together but yeah even that is is, is mucky because of because of the form yeah. Let's. Uh, I think. I think we have to call it there. We're already off past an hour. Oh man. <laughs> um. But no. Yeah. That's. It's, I think, as you said, it, it's prayer that we can all come together. I think. Yeah. At the end of the day, prayer that we can come together and agree on what the Bible actually says, mm. and live accordingly. Um. I hope we see that in the in the wider body of Christ. 
Cool. Um, hookups. Um, so I stumbled across this album this week. I didn't know that Cassidy had dropped a new album. After all um, his failed battles, is he still? Yeah. Is he still talking? So, do you know what he? He tried to battle Hitman Holler from yeah. um, Wild and Out. I, it was like an hour something long. I just listened to the first like fifteen minutes and I turned it off. Um, he, battling has come so far. I think he's just stuck in. Yeah. Mm. But he he tried to battle battle. Who was it before? Was it Hollow? Someone he tried to he tried to battle as well and, and failed. So yeah. So yeah, um, but he had dropped an album and. Ah, oh, the name is just has just eluded me. Hold on, stress. It's called the Wise Man, but D A Wise Man, and I've only like the first, the first song. Mm. You know the ones where the first song is always fire, and then yeah. you go into it and you're just like, what's what's this? So the first song is bars, okay. bars. It's called the Four Elements, and he literally goes through the history of hip-hop okay yeah that's song so he just goes okay. through the history so it goes like he's like i studied hip-hop and like so when i'm making music it's not just from but it's like i've actually studied the history of hip-hop and it goes mm-hmm. from the origins of and he like speaks about the four main elements of hip-hop as a culture okay. um which is like graffiti bars um mc and dance Mm. Um, DJ, yeah, MC, DJ, graffiti, and dance, like the four main elements of hip hop. And then he breaks down like, like the rhyme schemes of hip hop when it first started, and how it's evolved over time, and mm. then pays homage to like the women in it and stuff like that. Like the first, the first track. Oh, I'm gonna check that out. I'm gonna yeah, check that out. The first track is dope. So e- even like, I think my hookup would be the first track, not so much the album. <laughs> Because I haven't listened to the full album, I can't lie. Like, the see. first track, the first yeah. track's been on on repeat, and that's okay. um, the four the four elements, which is D A, the number four, and then elements. Um, yeah, he released it this year. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, my hookup will be Castlevania. Um, ah, season four. Season four. Yes, yeah, so I just oh, finished one? that. I just finished that today, and. Fairly satisfying end, actually. Uh, yeah, did you know, well. I haven't, I haven't finished that. I was watching Yasuke, mm. and I, I, I savored Yasuke. I savored it. Um, and I was gonna start Castlevania, but I was like, mm. you know what? Let me, let me sit back from that. So I realized it was like ten episodes. The first yeah. three were like four episodes each, four to six episodes each, I believe. Maybe mm. eight. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. They were quite short. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the third one I felt was uh, was rushed and didn't do well. This one, I yeah. think, um, redeems it. Albeit, I, admittedly, I may have fallen asleep between some of the episodes, so I've been watching it late at night just before mm. I went to bed. And so, you know, you fall asleep and you're like, oh, I've watched this before, but you haven't watched the whole thing. So, But I definitely watched the ending a couple of times. The last fight, oh, the last fight is Stick. dope. The oh, last yeah, come one. Dope. I don't Do you know even what? think that's season. I don't think that's the last episode. I think that's episode nine. Is the last fight? Is episode nine and then episode ten? They sort of round up very mm. very well and actually set it up. If they want to come back, they can. Mm. But yeah, no, it's it's yeah, Castlevania season four. Yeah. I heard. I heard this is the yep. finale for Castlevania. 
yeah. the animators are starting up a new um a new one, a different one, same world, but mm. different storyline. Um okay. so they they they're wrapping this one up. Yeah. But yeah, Castlevania has has lived up to my expectations. It, it almost reminds mm. me of Voltron. I was mm. gassed whenever Voltron dropped. I fell gassed. off the last season of Voltron, you know. <sighs> I still haven't finished it. I haven't finished the last season. <sighs> Voltron had me gassed. Yeah. Voltron was an anime that I was willing to take a sick day to finish. <laughs> <laughs> I still would have been paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's my hook off is Castlevania uh, on Netflix or wherever you watch your stuff. Legally, Netflix. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, yeah, um, next week hopefully Robert's uh, back. Um, otherwise, you can find us wherever you get your podcast. Uh, find us on instagram tbs fairness you can find us you can email us if you want to get in touch um uh no yeah you can email us tbs fairness at hotmail.com mm. and then if you want to get in touch on instagram it's at the fairness uk um check out the instagram most been doing some incredible stuff with the visuals um mm. so check it out and uh shout out to rude for the intro the outro uh, music on. Uh, shout out to Carlin Turner for the other amazing logo. Come on. Um, and I think uh, that's the finest signing out. Yes, sir. Sweet. <laughs>